0: A word before we begin today's episode. This story includes a description of and discussion about sexual assault. Listener discretion is advised.
1: Wearing a serious expression and flanked by lawyers, Alex Formington, the former NHL player and member of Canada's 2018 junior hockey team, surrendered to London, Ontario Police Sunday. Five members of Canada's 2018 World Junior Team were told to surrender to police The group expected to face sexual assault charges tied to allegations dating back to that year.
0: In the summer of 2018, members of Canada's gold medal-winning junior hockey team were in London, Ontario, being celebrated as heroes for winning that year's World Junior Ice Hockey Championships. But after a night of heavy drinking by some, then underaged players on the team, sexual assault allegations emerged, allegations that would quickly be dismissed by the London Police Service. Over the last week, more than five years after the night in question, five former players, now professionals, took leaves of absence from their respective teams after being told to surrender to that same London Police Department. ESPN NHL reporter Kristen Shilton explains the latest developments, looks at the fallout for Hockey Canada, and tells us why it's taken so long to arrive at this moment. I'm Clinton Yates. It's Thursday, February 1st. This is ESPN Daily. Kristen Shilton. This week, five professional hockey players, four of them on NHL rosters, were granted leaves of absence from their teams and asked to turn themselves into the London, Ontario police service. Can you take me through the latest developments?
1: Well, basically in the last week, we've reached a bit of a pinnacle in the hockey Canada world junior situation that has been percolating for a couple of years now, uh, dating back to uh, the world junior team from 2018. And five players from that team asked to present themselves to police in London, Ontario, where an alleged sexual assault uh, occurred back in 2018. In a statement of claim, the alleged victim, known as E.M., said she met some of the hockey players at a downtown London bar during a Hockey Canada event and went to one player's hotel room. But she alleged the player allowed seven others to enter the room
0: without her knowledge or consent. She describes a series of degrading sexual acts while she was too intoxicated to consent. So this scenario dates back to the summer of 2018, but is just now progressing through the courts in 2024. Do we know who these players are? And why is this investigation taking so long?
1: Those players, uh, Michael McLeod and Cal Foote of the New Jersey Devils, Carter Hart of the Philadelphia Flyers, Dylan Dubé of the Calgary Flames, and former NHL player Alex Formanton. He's been playing uh, for a team in Switzerland, but he was previously with the Ottawa Senators. Uh, They... As far as we know, uh, were those five players involved that were asked to present themselves to police, it wouldn't have come to light again what happened in 2018 if this woman had not brought the civil suit that was ultimately settled by Hockey Canada in 2022. So this is really where we're actually seeing some movement uh, for the first time
0: My suspicion is that for many listeners, this story would benefit from a clear look at the timeline, because as we mentioned, these charges stem from an incident in the summer of 2018. But the newest events described here are a result of the case being reopened in 2022. The timeline of events and testimony referenced in this episode was first reported by The Athletic. So where does this all begin?
1: This began back in the summer of 2018, but it began really even before that. And that goes back to the World Junior Championships in January of 2018, culminates in Buffalo with Canada defeating Sweden, and they win gold.
0: Fast
1: forward from there to June, of 2018 where hockey canada which is the governing body of the sport they're holding their annual uh, fundraising gala in london ontario
0: so this fundraising gala where hockey canada the national governing body for amateur hockey in canada provides access to the players whom most typically regard as national heroes to raise money what was the event like Kristen?
1: the players all came to the gala, they were sort of headlining it essentially. And this, this we can't underscore, it's a big deal. I mean, we're talking about a thousand tickets being sold. We're talking about a million dollars being raised. We're talking about people who have paid a large amount of money to be there, be in the presence of these players. They would have been in a red carpet type situation where Hockey Canada's biggest partners are putting this all together. You've got photos being taken. Attendees would have been, um, you know, looking at the medals, looking at the, the rings that these players would have had. And then you're in this really ornate ballroom where everything feels very... You know, kind of fancy. You're talking to these players about yes, their victory, but also like what's next for them and their NHL careers potentially, and where would they be going next? It feels very opulent, and you've got you know the wine is flowing. You have a steak dinner. It's a very celebratory um, time. I mean, this is this is something where they're the stars of the show. They're the highlight. It's these young men who everyone's there to see. And they're they're the major draw. Hockey Canada knows that they're profiting off that by having them there. And that's why people are buying tickets. So um, you can call it, a it's a carte blanche situation mm-hmm. um, for these players to just essentially act however they want because it's their night.
0: So you're describing a black tie formal event, one that is critical to the fundraising efforts of Hockey Canada and a crew of young men, teenagers in part, who were being celebrated. And you mentioned that the wine was flowing alongside these fancy meals. How much access did the players have to alcohol at the gala itself?
1: Players would have had access to that even if they were underage. Certainly no one was policing them at the time. You know, it, it's not as if these players are being held to a certain standard of, oh, you know, we need to, you know, be keeping them away from the free flowing alcohol or from, You know the adoration of whether it's you know adults or young women who might have been in attendance who would have been paying you know attention to them at the time i mean this is this is something where they're the stars of the show uh and london itself is you know it's a university town there's a number of colleges there and so it has a pretty vibrant nightlife for young people and what we know is that after the gala Uh, concluded that a number of players went over to Richmond Street uh, where there's a number of bars um, that would have been populated by people their age, some of them underage as well.
0: This is already sending up some alarm bells for those who aren't necessarily super familiar with, pardon me here, hockey culture. You've got a bunch of young men, many of them teenagers, available to be drunk in a public setting, and they're the celebrities in the space after celebrating their gold medal, hanging out on the college side of town, the party side. It's been reported that the young man went from the gala you described to Joe Cool's to a place called Jack's, where apparently one of them didn't exactly get in because of his age and the situation they were in. But let me ask you, Kristen, if you are in a place like that and you see this group of people come in, how do you think that affects the environment in terms of everything they're doing and how things might escalate to something potentially worse?
1: Yes, I mean it would have been likely quite, you know, obvious where these young men were coming from especially if they're dressed in suits, they, you know, may have stood out just because of that, but they're easily identifiable because you know, hockey players do have a certain look, they have a certain swagger, much like many athletes do, and especially if there had been alcohol involved before. So it it really, it does give it that sense of escalating quickly from here they are at this gala where they're being celebrated to now we're going amongst our peers, basically, and we're going to be capitalizing on the fact that we are Um, you know, gold medal winning junior hockey players, which means a great deal, especially to these young people who would be very aware of who these players were. Um, Because like I say, you know that this is the first step towards, you know, a potential NHLer in front of you.
0: You grew up in Canada though. How important are the World Junior Ice Hockey Championships?
1: The World Junior Tournament is and has been for certainly all of my life uh, a really important part of the fabric of sports in canada it is um, a tournament that canadians take a lot of pride in having been at the forefront of and very successful in um dating back to its inception i mean canada's won more golds at the world juniors than anyone they've you know they've won 20 gold medals in total, medaled 35 times total, uh, and it is a real point of pride for the nation that the players going through this tournament ultimately are some of the you know great NHL p- players of the past and the present. You're looking at Sidney Crosby, Connor McDavid, Nathan McKinnon, Jonathan Taves, Stanley Cup champions, some of the, the best players in the world, ones who will have legacies, you know, going well beyond um, their own careers in the NHL. I can remember even times listening to coverage on the radio and just feeling that that sense of, oh, Canada, you know, they're in the gold medal game against the U.S. and the pride that's on the line, the way that people care very deeply even though these are teenagers you know that they're going to be the next stars in the nhl and that's why you care that's why hockey canada as the governing body of this sport i mean it's why they can hold a gala like they did in 2018 um you know if you're thinking it's like basically olympics and then world juniors is just it's just right under it even doesn't even compare to like world championships and even if i had to you know, crystallize it down to one person, you know, I I grew up with a young man who played baseball and he played hockey and he grew up to be quite successful in baseball um, and was able to, uh, to make a living at it, but he would never talk about himself in that context of like, Oh, I'm a successful baseball player. He would say, no, I'm a failed hockey player.
0: Okay. So this is really the highest level of celebrity in Canada to an extent. And these young men are coming off of being fawned over by adults in as fancy a setting as you can imagine and stepping into an environment where they are being surrounded by their peers. And here I want to provide a warning to our listeners of the graphic nature of the following content. This is when one of the players makes a connection with a young woman who returns with the player to the Hotel London Armories, the hotel the team is staying at. According to the young woman's statement of claim, filed in the Ontario Superior Court of Justice and reported by The Athletic, she engaged in sex acts with one member of the team before he invited his teammates into the room without her consent or knowledge. From there, multiple players engaged her in sexual acts, including intercourse without her consent, and when she tried to leave the room, according to her statement of claim, she was, quote, directed, manipulated, and intimidated into remaining the young woman said she feared imminent physical harm as some players brought their golf clubs into the room and at the sheer number of them present the presence of the clubs made her feel intimidated and threatened is that your understanding and how all of this has played out
1: yes that is a a an accurate summation of of what we have been able to gather through the reporting so far is that, you know, this was a situation that started with just a young woman and one player that she met out that night, where there was obviously something that happened between them, but it spiraled from just a one on one encounter into something greater. What we know, based on her own statements of claim, um, is that she she was put into a situation where she felt like there was potential uh, imminent physical harm to her from multiple young men if she did not do what they asked her to do.
0: More with Kristen after the break. The NFL schedule drops this week, kiddos, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, and every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code DAILY. That's code DAILY. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Kristen, there's an aspect of this revolving around videos of the young woman. What is that about and what happened next?
1: According to reports, there were two videos that were made. Um, where she was forced to essentially say that she had consented to what had happened in the room that evening, but ultimately that, uh, you know, that was said under duress and not because she had actually um, consented. So what we know uh, about the morning after is that that's where they had the golf portion of this weekend, that there would have been um, the players' participation in that, but At some point during that morning, we know that the alleged victim's then stepfather reported that there was a sexual assault the night before uh, to a Hockey Canada human resource employee. And from there, the information was escalated to Hockey Canada CEO Tom Rainey and President Scott Smith, who... We believe we're probably already on their way back to Calgary from London, so they might not have gotten the information right away, but within a few hours at least, um, they would have gotten the ball rolling with the London police um, to review what was going on, spoken to their own counsel, their own insurance providers, just to find out what the next steps um, should be at that point. But I mean, by evening, the players would have been gone back to their respective homes. So they would not have have been in London still at the time. But from what Smith told the um, parliamentary committee when they were um, under investigation previously, players were notified that there was going to be an investigation. They were recommended to cooperate, but it wasn't required of them. From there, we know that whatever investigation the London police conducted, it was concluded quickly, no charges were filed, and the matter was over at that point until it was reopened four years later.
0: We've established, Kristen, that all of this resurfaced as a result of a civil suit filed in Ontario Superior Court of Justice on April 22nd, 2022. How was the civil suit resolved?
1: They claimed to do an investigation. It was closed at the time, and it wasn't until 2022 that the woman brought the civil suit through the Ontario uh, Superior Court against the defendants. So we know that Hockey Canada reached uh, an out-of-court settlement with the complainant uh, and that there was a non-disclosure agreement, but Rennie had told the Standing Committee that Hockey Canada, because they didn't know exactly what occurred that night or the identity of everybody involved, you know, they still felt that it was prudent on their part to come to a settlement with the young woman because clearly it had caused her some degree of harm and that uh, he called the conduct, uh, quote, unacceptable and incompatible with Hockey Canada's values and expectations. And he felt, Rainey did, that taking responsibility um, was... You know, within what they should have done, because if what alleged happened, it was at their event, and so it would have been under their jurisdiction to be, you know, more mindful of these players, especially being underage, um that they should have been uh, more present in making sure that such activities uh, would not have led to these types of allegations being made against so many of these players.
0: I think that's where, for the average sports fan, a real stinging part comes into this when you're looking at Hockey Canada. The fact that they have provided financial settlements in other situations similar to this, indicating this isn't a unique event, I think was really quite eye-opening for a lot of people who considered themselves, particularly Americans, casual hockey fans. What do you think was brought to light here in terms of the history of Hockey Canada?
1: Well, I mean... It was, a, I think, disappointing for many to find out that Hockey Canada essentially kept a fund that was used to bankroll these uninsured liabilities, these claims of sexual abuse, and that that fund came from registration fees from minor hockey teams around the country. So to think that you, as a parent or as a guardian or as a loved one, you think that you're paying into a system that is supporting a sport that you love and you find out that actually that money is being used to settle sexual assault cases against players it didn't end up coming to light until a few weeks later in 2022 via an investigation by uh, a journalist here uh, in Ontario who discovered that this alleged assault had sort of been, you know, essentially silenced by this, uh, this settlement. And that's where other settlements eventually came to light as well. To know that Hockey Canada has been involved in what would have been scandals all along if if they had come to light between 1989 and now, uh, knowing that there were, you know, six or seven different times and $7.6 million that, you know, Hockey Canada has paid out from a national equity fund that was taken from minor league hockey, like these, these people who put their kids into these minor league teams to think that their membership fees were then being used by Hockey Canada to pay off, um, you know, these women who were bringing alleged assault accusations against players on these teams that were, you know, of importance to these adults. I think it just really does speak to such a level of disappointment in Hockey Canada and the way it's conducted itself. that's where the sheen starts to come off of an organization that has the support of some of the biggest brands as well, the biggest companies in Canada. You look at a company like Tim Hortons, you're looking at companies like, you know, hockey equipment companies where your son or daughter is is literally using this company's sticks or gloves or equipment and yet they've also been supporting an organization that behind the scenes, unbeknownst to anyone, has been quieting um, these alleged victims in a way that if you had known about it sooner or differently, you might have made different choices in your own life and where you were putting your money. I think it, it put a very harsh spotlight on something that was sacred to a lot of people and that's the sport of hockey and the way that hockey canada was very much involved in in these behind the scenes activities that no one knew about and you see the results of that you see the consequences how the entire you know board of directors being replaced you see um these these people who should have had a better hold on the players themselves and on the conduct of their players, they didn't do that. And instead, they just sort of threw money at the problem and allowed the players to just sort of continue on with, you know, whatever had alleged to happen without the repercussions. And so it is uh, very much it was eye opening, uh, I think, for a lot of people. And there has been obvious change and starting with um the people who are in charge now at hockey canada and the direction that the governing board is going to go from here will obviously have to continue to be different
0: so we know that five former members of the team have surrendered to the police in london ontario alex formanton turned himself in on sunday and issued a statement through his attorney and all four of the players who are currently in the nhl carter hart dylan dubay michael mcleod and cal foote as of tuesday had done the same also issuing statements through attorneys. The next update is expected to come in a news conference that London police have scheduled for Monday. What is your takeaway from where we are now?
1: Right now, um, that uh, press conference that the London police hold on Monday, February 5th, should give us some more insight there. But it's also worth noting that all five of these players were signed to entry-level contracts in the NHL at the time, that the alleged sexual assault occurred. And that's important to note because then you are essentially an NHL employee. And so what the NHL does after this investigation and how these players that are in the NHL are affected, punished, um, whatever it ends up being, that will be another layer to this. But where we're at right now is just waiting on that final um revelation from the london police on what they have discovered now in this secondary investigation that they've done
0: let's get to exactly that what the nhl does is very different from what say the average canadian thinks about you know youth hockey and the reason i say that is because it feels like around the nhl we've had a lot of situations like this pop up in the last three four five seasons regarding player behavior, how teams handle it, what comes to light, and what end up eventually becomes a consequence. Do you think the league is at a moral imperative here to do something, even if these young men were playing for Canada at the time?
1: Yeah, it, it absolutely puts the NHL in a position where they want to let the potential p- criminal investigation play out based on the London police's investigation, and they want to gather the same as the public does, what the findings were there from that incident and and what the discovery has been between July and now that they didn't have previously in 2018 when they closed the case, and they didn't even and probably wouldn't have reopened it if not for Um, that, uh, that settlement coming to light. So for the NHL, I mean, they will have to do something. And I say that because you can't just, you know, even if in this situation you have players that are being required to present themselves to police, which means something is going to happen. And the NHL's reaction to this will really express how the league sees its own players and their sort of place in having to take responsibility for their actions. Now, does this mean that those players now will be banned from playing in the NHL? Will it go that far? We'll have to see. But there is an impetus on the NHL to hold them accountable as well because they had signed contracts at the time.
0: We'll be right back. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you people wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first one or for your fashionista mom who likes to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate with them both. You can shop by price anywhere from $25 and under to, say, $100 and below. You can also sort by category, like fragrance, handbags, and more. Or gift lists, like for the mom who has everything. Or even pre-wrapped gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung Smart TVs. So, what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th, and it'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom... Easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash today. That's Macy's.com slash So, what has been the fallout for Hockey Canada in the aftermath of these allegations, Kristen?
1: Well, at this point, they're allowed to continue on as they did before. There's been certainly some of their sponsors have come back to them and, and they have been able to reestablish themselves in many ways because they did make that turnover and that they did bring in new people um, to run their board, um, to be in charge of, uh, you know, the day-to-day operations of of the governing body itself. And if that hadn't happened, if there hadn't been um, the independent Panel that they had um, commissioned to come in and look over how Hockey Canada had breached its code of conduct based on what happened with the 2018 junior team. If they hadn't had that panel um, come in and and sort of identify the issues, I think that there might be more uh, blowback still against Hockey Canada. But they did take steps where the organization government funding that had been taken away has been restored. Um, And that was restored in 2023, but based on the condition that the organization implemented the recommendations that the independent review uh, had made. And so that, uh, you know, is why I think Hockey Canada has been able to get some of its footing back is that they had that independent investigation into their own code of conduct. And then now they have been monitored uh, properly to make sure that they are taking the steps and putting into action uh, the things that were suggested that they implement. And now, of course, they do have a new CEO who was uh, put into place, Catherine Henderson, in July of 2023, uh, and she will um, uh, continue to be sort of spearheading uh, their movement in trying to, I think, gain back some of that public trust uh, in the entity itself.
0: It's worth noting that the London police service itself announced in a statement in July of 2022 that there would be an internal review of the 2018 investigation to determine, quote, what, if any, additional investigative avenues may exist, end quote, tacitly acknowledging that the initial investigation may not have been satisfactory. But, you know, Kristen, I lived with hockey players when I was in college. Many of them were Canadian they understood just how big a stage the World Junior Ice Hockey Championships are culturally. Because of the sport's importance to the country's identity and how so many people gravitate towards the events and the players because it is likely the closest they will ever be to these stars once they do move on to their careers.
1: And that's a a really perfect way of putting it. You know, when they can go and see these players up close at a gala, they'll pay a great deal of money for the opportunity or you know just just to see the players that they know the next Connor McDavid the next Connor Bedard you know look at Connor Bedard last year he was the star of the world juniors for Canada and then he's selected number 1 overall by the Chicago Blackhawks in the NHL draft and he'll be a star in the league same as a Connor McDavid in the past same as a Sidney Crosby in the past it's that time where it's like you're getting those players at their most, you know, vulnerable. I suppose it's before they're built up into the machine of the NHL and the pro hockey level. But it really is something that um, carries a lot of of weight, and it does carry a lot of, um, you know shine for people to just be next to these players and especially at a gala like this one that we're referencing i mean players there with their championship rings and um you know you've got jerseys and sticks that were used in games you wouldn't believe the secondary market for anything that a player touched used gloves i mean people would pay exorbitant amounts of money for a signed stick from one of these players and not that they'd ever use it but just to have it so it really um, even though these we're talking about 17 18 19 year olds uh, it means something that you're selected to play uh, for Canada in a tournament like like that and to be successful at it to have a gold medal Edie uh, means even more
0: last thing i'll ask you you mentioned how idolized how celebrated and how lauded not only these particular players were but in general that program is and that tournament is From a morale standpoint for Canada, what is the aftermath of this going all the way down, trickling all the way down to the younger skaters we have, the Mites, in terms of teaching them what it's like to be a hockey player all the way up through adulthood?
1: Yeah, and it is disappointing again for just the country in general to know that a governing agency like this, Hockey Canada, has such a reputation, such a legacy and before all of this did come to light, I mean, it it just, it, it's like, it's the then and now. You can't go back and change the past. You can't erase it yet, and you can't unknow it. And so it really does put into perspective, I think for a lot of parents, I mean, hockey is an expensive sport. It's not something that you enter into lightly with your children, especially. Um, and it can be dangerous and it can be fraught with uh, a lot of different challenges for parents. And, and I even, you know, the way that there's pressure on kids to perform from such an early age in hockey. Because in Canada, it's at every level uh, that these players are, are worshipped in a way. And so for Hockey Canada to come under um, the spotlight that it did in such a negative way, and have such an overhaul, it really does, I think, change the tenor um, in a, a lot of ways for a lot of people and then just for the sport in general. It didn't even feel this year like the World Juniors had the same, you know, that excitement that I talked about in from years past. It didn't really feel the same necessarily this year, I think, for a lot of people um, just because of what Hockey Canada has been through. So maybe they'll be able to eventually recapture that, maybe not, but at this point, um, especially now that these players will be brought under potentially some sort of charges stemming from uh, this alleged sexual assault uh, in 2018, I think that might continue to have a fallout. So we might not even be talking about um, the end of that right now, It, it may continue on depending on what comes to light about these players.
0: Kristen, thank you for your time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Clinton.
0: Follow ESPN for further developments on this story. And a link to The Athletic's original reporting is available in the show notes. I'm Clinton Yates. This has been ESPN Daily. We'll talk to you tomorrow.